Hi, welcome to Business Science Podcast on Cargill Bets Big on Digital Sati. India's contribution may be a meagre 2% to global food major Cargill's annual revenue. But the US firm sees better prospects in India, which could emerge as a strategic country by 2030. A lot of planning is going on for the firm's faster growth in India. As part of these plans, Cargill decided to launch a digital platform, Digital Sati, for agriculture. Though confined to Karnataka now, it has managed to rope in 30,000 farmers. There are various other plans that the firm has for this platform. Let's hear Cargill India President Simon George now on his plans for India, for the electronic platform and other things such as Food Innovation Lab, Edible Oil Business, tapping renewable energy and the promising animal nutrition business. Welcome to Business Lines Podcast, sir. It's a pleasure to have you on this platform. George, over the past year, what role has Cargill played, particularly at the global level and how it has progressed in the past 12 months or so? Subramaniam, I think um, I'm re-emphasizing the fact that, you know, what I spoke last year, the same thing as Cargill, as an overall company, continues to play an integral part in the global food supply chain, uh, specifically linking farmers to the market, customer to innovative solution, and uh, to develop market-driven products and consumers uh, to sustainable and nutritious products that they need. So this continues to be our mantra, and that's the reason during even during the Uh, tough times in the world, I think Cargill has been consistently adding value to its customer and being doing well. From an India perspective, I should say that Cargill, we have expanded all our businesses, specifically if I say uh, edible oil, our starches and sweetener, cocoa and chocolate, all these food businesses have done quite well in the last two years. And, you know, there's also to take the same context of principles of, you know, nourishing the world so we we continue to do that uh, and and we are consistently strengthening our supply chain to meet the growing consumer need as it just keeps changing so that's where our business are been doing quite well cargill as a company has performed globally because the reason is also is about as i said we stuck to our principles you know uh, and that has yielded better uh, results for Cargill globally. So we have done quite well, uh, for example, even in 2021, we ended up with a, a revenue of 134.4 billion, which is a 17% increase over the previous year. This is in 21. Uh, this is in 21. As we see, our financial year begins in June. So, for oh. example, we are just closing. This is our last week of this particular financial year. 31st May, we close the financial year. Uh, so, May tw- uh, 21, when we closed, uh, we were at about 134.4 billion. Uh, maybe when I was talking to you last time, we would have said about 115. So, it's about a 17% increase uh, over the previous year. of 20. And this year, as it goes, we look to be better than the last year. Though the numbers are yet to come for the last quarter globally, uh, I think Cargill as overall is doing much better than last year. While uh, or, or from an India perspective, I just always link between how Cargill is doing globally and Cargill India. India contributes uh, about slightly over 2% of the global turnover revenue. 
But you know, though it's a uh, it's an absolute number, I think the focus on uh, a developing market like India uh, is become a key growth market for APAC, which is what I told you last time, and it continues the same spirit of you know. Uh, looking India futuristic because of the huge economy that India will become by 2030 and the and the role India will play globally in the coming years. Uh, India remains high, very, very strategic and there's a lots of plans in terms of, you know, how do we grow faster in India? So, uh, so a couple of things that we did in India, I would say in the last uh, year or so after we have spoken uh, mm-hmm. I, I will only add up to what things that we have done. One, uh, I'm sure you will be aware that right now we have uh, uh, completed an acquisition of an edible oil refinery in Andhra Pradesh, uh, primarily to enhance supply chain and customer offering to south of India. You know, we are not very strong in south of India, but this gives us an opportunity to be in south of India and we're investing around uh, $35 million for this business expansion in the coming two years. So this is something which we kicked off. Uh, the second thing that I would say is, you know, we were talking last time in terms of the starches and sweetener business. Yeah, we yes. have uh, established ourselves as the largest starches and sweetener player in South of India. And okay. we will be the top three player in starches of in, in starches and sweetener in, in India. Uh, we are, however, you know, the, uh, our growth also now depends mainly on our uh, expansion to uh, the western part of India, which we hope to do by end of this year, and okay. also uh, later by end of next year, our presence in north of India. Okay. So this is our larger context from the starches and sweetener. Cocoa, uh, uh, cocoa and chocolate. You are aware that we made an investment last year of you know working with a, uh, um, a local company to create our uh, uh, formulations and ingredients and to get into the market. Uh, we are, and we are be soon ready. We we told you that it will be within a year's time, and we are almost ready. And in the next few months, uh, our products will be ready for uh, specifically for baker and confectionery, bakers, bakery and confection industry. Uh, I think uh, in the next few months we will come to you with a short detail on what we are going to launch and what are the products that we need to do, what we are going to do, and what when is the product launch. Okay. What happened? We were supposed to start uh, last July. No, we started the project last July. Okay, project so, last July. Uh, the project is ready now. Uh, okay. um, it's in the final uh, stages of plant trials right now. So okay. in the next couple of months, we should be product launch in the market. Okay. Yeah. The, it's a B2B. Uh, it's a B2B. We continue to be a B2B player across the world in cocoa and chocolate. So we, that is where we, our focus will be in India, specifically in the, I would say, the bakery and um, confection industry. Another important step that we took for Cargill uh, in India is the launch of a food innovation center in Gurgaon. Um, And this is, uh, I would say, one of the best state-of-art innovation lab uh, that is in India. Now, this is started in January, uh, primarily to bring about the entire breadth and width of Cargill uh, uh, food ingredient portfolio, which which will be uh, the, the innovation lab will work in such a way that it doesn't look between edible oil or is it a, a starches and sweetener or a cocoa and chocolate or the specialty ingredients separately. But how do we bring all these pieces together 
and to create an innovative product for the customer. Maybe today the customer is looking at health and wellness. Can we create a biscuit, for example, low fat, low sugar, low sin? So Cargill has a capability sitting in different businesses. The innovation lab will bring all this together in one table. So a customer will get a solution which will bring, for example, when I say a health and wellness, a biscuit, for example, we can bring a low fat uh, um, um, solution through our edible oil business or fats and specialty business. We can bring in uh, um, uh, sugar replacers through our starches and sweetener businesses. We can bring in uh, um, an immunity booster through uh, our specialty ingredients business. We can bring a cocoa powder or a cocoa chocolate solutions. Everything for a customer to have one point of solution. So this is where we are uh, shifting ourselves to a to become a very innovative organization uh, to the customers and the consumers in India. In a very, very small scale, we are kicking off digital platform. We are making our entry into that to see how the farmers respond. So our larger perspective of a digital, we call it digital sati. When we launched, it is all about how do we align with the overall government initiative of increasing farmers income. So how does a digital platform can help these farmers, small farmers in very small areas in terms of access to knowledge, access to market, access to uh, information and you know, and we the platform will cover a lot of uh, aspects in the coming years. We have started off with a limited uh, menus, but where we are increasing that with every day in the digital platform. I think this will be one of big tools that can help farmer to make his right choices. So Digital Sati, you have started any pilot project? Or? We have started, we have connected to 30,000 farmers now. So this is a big step that we have done. Uh, we are started to transact on the platform. But you know, the, at the end of the day, uh, we are looking at a, a, a larger number and expansion. Right now, we are looking, uh, working specifically from a Karnataka market, basically Dangiri, Haveri, Mysore. So those are the areas we are predominantly working on. The, uh, we started off with one crop. We are shifting to uh, three crops in the next uh, uh, few days. What are the uh, crops so, you have gone, uh, Mace? Yeah, first is for, for our own uh, a little bit of comfort because we yes. have a plant in Dangiri, we have yeah. a, a operations in Mysore. Uh, so both combined, it makes sense for us to uh, give value to the customer, to the farmer. Therefore, we started off with corn, but we are now kick, going to kick off with a few more uh, agricultural products, which the team is finalizing. I think we will kick off very quickly on those things. So our ultimate aim of Digital Sati is to go national. So when, what, is a five-year plan, frankly speaking, but we are kicked off about six, seven, eight months back, and okay. we have get the pleasure of seeing that how digitally uh, our farmers are slowly but for sure embracing the change. It's not easy, but we can see that the lovely feeling of the farmers, the glee in his face to say that he can decide what he wants to do. I think that is getting much more, uh, gives a nice value for us, and we will build ultimately a business model with this digital going forward. It's not making money now, but it's about another five, six years. We will, but we are definitely looking at 
aligning with the initiative of the government of you know increasing the farmer's income so the farmer is not exhibiting any handicap or something initially when the smartphones are all were there there were a lot of questions about whether the rural people can handle it now going by whatever you are saying they are absolutely comfortable in handling all these uh, smartphones or all these platforms from a larger perspective if i look from a, a high altitude view what we see is that companies like geo have really moved into rural areas which was not the case a couple of years back so the rural and and if you look at india is one of the fastest growing smartphone market in the world uh, and we believe that about 500 to 600 million people will move into smartphone in the next 3 4 years time and this is happening at a rapid speed is that every farmer comfortable i don't think so i think it's a change that's happening and and we are also playing a little instrumental game to say why it is important to you and how it can help you from a farming perspective for example we can give them a farm input one of the programs that we have is you can just take a picture of a crop damage whether it is to an insect or it's a pest issue or whatever it is they can take a picture load it into our app within a matter of a few hours they will be clearly indicated what is the problem what is the remedy for that so can you imagine the farmer when, when if he corrects it so fast uh, he is ensuring that uh, this particular grow i mean um, uh, plant or whatever it is uh, if you corrected earlier uh, uh, his yield increases rather than waiting for somebody to do so we are we are calling it as 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 agri doctor in one area so we are doing many such phases and we believe that you know so ultimately farmer is going to use it when he feels it makes sense for me and i think are we there fully no it is not out of the 30000 users today maybe about 45 to 50% will be active users but then we need to move forward so as we move forward we believe uh, every one of them will get into this platform because it's going to give them weather input agri inputs crop uh, disease input uh, we will also tell them in terms when they need to Uh, so what uh, what fertilizers can be done what pesticide can be done in case of this specifically from a chemical name not a company name and say so you buy this or that from a chemical name in terms of if this chemical is put this can be solved and then giving them the choice to choose so we are in the process of a much more deeper education of the farmer right now what is happening to your uh, corn uh, last year when, when we talked a lot of promising things that corn continues to be in fact i would say um, the entire see we have a business called uh, cask which is the cargill uh, agriculture supply chain uh, business which really focuses on agri products so grain itself all grains uh, specifically the grain company uh, for us includes uh, wheat rice uh, i would say corn in india uh, are the three major uh, i would say grains that we focus on now our total footprint is around a million tons and i think we will be growing much better this year as a result comes in but right now we are talking about a million ton and our flagship commodities continue to be wheat and corn so it can, the weightage can change based on supply demand and this. so today it is about 60 40 60% is mainly on the animal feed grains and 40% of the food grain and these things keep switching over based on that particular specific uh, time and uh, environment there's been uh, russia ukraine war there, there has been 
you know, sort of surge in commodity prices, especially wheat and other things. So how has, uh, you know, has that made some sort of impact on Cargill business or how has Cargill been able to face this situation? Especially on the supply side, there have been a lot of uncertainties. Yeah, see, let, let us speak, uh, 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 Subramanian, you know better that even if it, there is a 1% change in the supply demand, it can create a lot of changes the, in terms of the market pricing and all this thing. In a volatile situation in the world where you have a COVID, we're just coming out of the pandemic, and then you have this conflict between uh, uh, things. So all this, actually speaking, really affect the supply chain, more, just not one person. For example, wheat could be 30% of the world. Thing. Corn could be 5% of the world. So all this can absolutely affect the supply chain. For example, Ukraine is a country, is a one of the few countries in the world other than India, which has uh, non-GM corn. So you could imagine suddenly you, uh, um, apart from India, it is only Ukraine and suddenly you see that is gone. But for the time being, it creates stress in the uh, system. Specifically now, you also need to understand that there are many food products that is across the world, which goes into saying that I need a non-GM food product. Okay, so uh, with all these demands and um, supplies and demands at different places, and you also imagine it's just not this, and also there's a big shift taking place from a, a biodiesel requirement in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, so all this is actually coming at one point of time, uh, and therefore, therefore you could understand like you know, a pandemic, a conflict, and the usage of this as changed. And along with it also, if you look at the world situation, you look at what happened to Indonesia banning, and then now you know it's revoked uh, uh, right now. But all this create a complex situation of you know of customer consumers, the fear of losing out, and therefore there there is going to be a supply demand fluctuation and volatility in the market, which is making commodities to grow more. But an overall picture of the world, if you look at it, the number of people remain the same, the number, the, the quantity of all the products uh, produced is the same. So you should not have a problem. But it is this external environment that is creating these supply demand issues. We got into edible oil. Now, edible oil for the last, say, one and a half years, almost two years, they've been really increasing because first the COVID thing resulted in labor shortage. Then you had the weather phenomenon affecting South American crop now, uh, Ukraine, that war has affected sunflower oil. So what sort of uh, you know, impact has this created on your edible oil business? Or you're looking more into Indian production itself, because the government is also trying to encourage this sort of edible oil production. For Cargill, the edible oil business has done pretty well in the last few years. So primarily because we see a rise in the household consumption of edible oils, and especially also the shift to branded products because of the food safety with all the uh, the pandemic people look for more at food safety and therefore branded food brings that much of security in the mind and the consumers now preferring a little more home cooked meals compared to go out and eat and this has helped us our overall uh, uh, business in edible oil i should say that you no know, what we notice in edible oil is also is that consumers are making healthier choices and our portfolio of oils currently caters to what our consumers are looking for. And we have a consumer validator pipeline of innovative health uh, and wellness solutions. Now, having said this, so these are our long-term perspective planning. 
you we all know 65 percent 60 to 65 percent of the oil is imported into india and therefore uh, any of these uh, supply chain beyond the uh, actions of india uh, i think it, it does get affected we are a part of a global supply chain and that's exactly what you see uh, when you have a conflict between two countries where uh, a sunflower oil comes from that area. You have a uh, government in a, a Southeast Asia deciding that we should not. So, so all this affects the, um, the supply chain and volatility and increases the volatility. And therefore, we've seen the prices going up and down while the government of India is trying to tame the inflation. But you can see that, you know, there are a lot of uh, things that it's beyond the controls of, you know, Indian operations. I wanted to know about uh, wheat operations. Cargill got into it. Cargill is an organization which keeps its commitment. And out of our total procurement we did, I, uh, if I'm right, we have just less than 1% of the orders have been washed out, which was mutually agreed with the suppliers. We have met all our contractual obligation and in fact unloaded all the cargo which arrived at ports. So. Uh, uh, we will. Uh, we have met all our obligation, so uh, there is no way, no, no two ways about that for us. How is your animal nutrition uh, business going about? Because you are very gung ho. I mean, uh, you are seeing a lot of uh, great prospects in animal nutrition. Last time, I think it still continues because poultry sector is still doing well despite all the pressures that it has been undergoing because of high soybean yeah. prices. Yeah. I would categorize our animal nutrition business as one of the uh, critical pillars of Cargill India's business. And overall, it's a business which is doing well. If I'm to reflect back the last one year, there are challenges in the external environment. Producers' economy has been affected due to volatility in the grain prices because, you know, grain is a, one of the biggest part of their spending. But uh, as Cargill, we have fairly large manufacturing presence in India, specifically with plants in Bathinda, Haryana, which is Sonipet, Andhra Pradesh, and Bangalore. And focusing on our animal nutrition customers, we actually have brought in a few of the innovative products and solutions forward that can improve the productivity and uh, improve the animal health and its welfare. Now, Having said that, which is uh, a, a general on what, how the company's performance, I would say we will look at the three sectors, dairy, poultry, and aqua. So if you look at that differently, we will know where we are doing better and where we are struggling a bit. Uh, as far as dairy is concerned, it has been a good year for our dairy business, growing faster than the market, gaining market share, all the agri market growth, farmer economics, coupled with safety culture, which is something which we keep talking, ability to operate our plants in Batinda, Sonipet, in AP, and everywhere consistently throughout the pandemic here uh, enabled this growth. So in spite of this difficulty, we ensure the supply chain takes place. We also ensured we stayed in constant touch with the customer, which comprised of farmers, vets, and para-vets through various activities like the webinars and social media uh, as a platform to connect and stay with these, uh, uh, these customers. In the next three to six months, we continue to see upward prices in milk and a bullish market for corn and other macro ingredients, which will further boost our growth in this sector. So dairy overall for us has been good in the last one year. Now, when I come to poultry, poultry industry has been initially impacted by the bird flu scare, uh, then accentuated by the COVID 
and followed by the avian flu impact early this year. However, we are optimistic that the industry will recover in the coming three to six months and see growth. So the first few months was a little bit of struggle for us from a poultry perspective, but we foresee that things are getting normal and it should be growth in the next three to six months. We are continuing to engage therefore with our hissing. So between dairy and poultry, dairy is doing much better. Poultry is something which we believe that will grow better from now on. Similarly, in the aqua industry, we are also present in aqua. Maybe uh, today uh, it's a little smaller business of uh, compared to the dairy and poultry, but it's growing in terms of volumes, mainly from shrimp. Fish feed industry has been impacted mainly by low market as prices are not favorable for harvesting. So it's a supply demand thing. So if you ask us, dairy has done well, poultry is okay, aqua is still very small business for us. You were saying about this, uh, you know, you're meeting your power demand at Dhamnagare through yeah. solar. Have you expanded this across the country? A good question. I think this is very, very, very close to our heart, specifically uh, me, because, you know, sustainability is our key, one of the key pillars for Cargill. What we have done is uh, when I was talking to you, we said that, you know, we were we had a 15 megawatt and we are going for another four and a half to five megawatt. So it became a 20 megawatt. So we completed that project in Dangri specifically. We moved from a 70% to uh, of Bescom power into renewable power, and then we taken the next step now to increase that to 24 to 25 megawatts. This is the next step. So the project is going to kick off in in few next few months, which will basically say that our Dangri plant 90% of the consumption. Uh, and and remember one thing, it's a huge consumption in, in a corn milling plant. 90% will be through renewable energy. Now, th this also has set us uh, uh, in terms of, you know, as an initiative across the company that we saw the fruit of renewable energy and what it means to Cargill. The edible oil business have kicked off uh, um, um, solar uh, electricity uh, through solar power. And today, 45% of the uh, our edible oil facility in Maharashtra uh, uh, is already moved into solar. The wow. other, uh, uh, the Gujarat plant has now kicked off, which will means that they also will go to solar in the next few months. Mr. George, it has been a pleasure to listen to your views as Cargill India's head and your vision for the future. Thank you very much for responding our queries and enlightening us on your plans going forward. Thank you again.